welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about the difficulties of being seven and a half so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Ramona and Her Mother by Beverly Cleary. Joining us to discuss this timeless classic best bestseller is Caitlin, Youth Services Librarian for Grownups and a true pancake for dinner enthusiast, and Becca, Professional Little Sister. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, let's take a moment to welcome back Caitlin, who you might remember from reading Redeeming Love back back a while the, ago. Uh, back in the Obama administration, oh, yes. Simpler uh, times. Halcyon times, terrible books, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Becca is back, back, back again. Did I ever really leave? I mean, you were just here two episodes ago. So You did take a small break, though. I live in so your microphones. <laughs> Are you the robot? I am not the robot. Or am I? Yeah, I mean, I do feel I'm like not. that is what the robot would say. I'm super not the robot. Oh, okay. The robot's the, the bane of my existence. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so we are here continuing our traditional flashback summer where we take a break from all the crappy books of now to revisit books of yesteryear, some of which are still great, such as this one. So great. <laughs> so we just want to say that right off the bat in case you were looking at this like, how dare you, worst bestsellers? How dare you call Ramona a worst book? We're not. It's just, it's the name of our podcast still. We're not like changing the name of the podcast, but this book rules. That's all. In fact, end that of episode, true. that's all we have to say about it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Correct. Uh, just go read like, it. <laughs> much like the last episode, which was just two hours of me and Becky being like, oh my God, but this book was so important to me as a child. <laughs> you know, this is another book that was important to many folks as children. Um, yes. I will say for me, I read... A bunch of them, maybe all of them. I very distinctly remember that Ribsy, which is one of the earlier books, or one of the, a book in the same universe, but about a character not in this book because the character is a dog, um, <laughs> as a class in first or second grade. Um, and we read definitely excerpts from various Ramona books. And I think I read a couple of them on my own. But my strongest Ramona associations are from the television show. Yes. Same. So, so you all were talking about this. I had no idea there was a television show until 10 minutes ago. You have well, to watch it. It's all on YouTube. I'll watch it with you anytime yes. you want. Okay, you have great. Canada to thank for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it was originally a CBC production. It stars uh, Sarah Pauly, uh, better known to Canadians as being from Road to Avonlea. Um, now like an actual director and maker of movies, but, um, yes, it was a public library VHS classic. It sounds like to more than one of us and a perfectly good time to learn about all the trials and travails of being a kid. <laughs> so I guess in case anyone, I feel like the Ramona books are so iconic that probably everyone's at least heard of them, but just in case you haven't, uh, I mean, they are, I, I can't say enough, like, iconic, timeless, classic, whatever. The, uh, <laughs> the best. Um, there are a series of middle-grade novels about 
well, they, they kind of, depending on where you start, it's one of, it's like a kind of shared universe sort of thing many years before the MCU existed. Yeah. Uh, where you've got, there are novels about the Quimby family, which are about um, first Ramona's older sister, Beatrice or Beezus. And then um, Ramona has a whole string of books about her growing up. Uh, there's also books about Beezus's best friend, Henry. Uh, and then Henry has the dog Ribsy that I mentioned earlier. Um, and I think there are, are there a couple others that fit into the Ramona Henry Ribsy? There are two or three Henry books, but I think if you combine like the Beatrice Beezus books, the Henry books, the Ribsy books, the Ramona books, you've got the whole, let's call it the click attached street universe mm. uh, is covered. Yes. Making Portland iconic since the 1950s. My So I did not know there was a television show. I remember uh, my mom was really excited about these books, and she really wanted me to be into Henry and Ribsy because uh, my mom loves Why? dogs. Because my mom loves dogs. And so she was <laughs> like, Ribsy's such a like fun dog. And I was like, no, no, thank you. But <laughs> You're like, no, I stand for picky picky. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> give me a Ramona. Give me a cat. <laughs> <laughs> get this boy and his dog out of here please i don't know if you would like well i mean obviously either this happens in the book too but the episode where picky picky dies is very sad and like oh, literally i don't i got two hours of sleep the night before i watched it so i definitely yeah. sobbed in a way i never did before yeah. because i'm part sociopath so yeah I, it's very sad i <laughs> cry at everything i probably wouldn't cry at the cat dying. i know you wouldn't you're also part sociopath <laughs> I'm still emotionally recovering from the Warriors. I can't have this right now. <laughs> it's been months, and yet. So, Becca, I know that you were into the series. Did you read the books at all as well? I did. And I briefly, when we first were talking about it, I was like, I, I know. Because the, the movie, the TV show stands out very strongly in my mind. And I was like, I know I definitely read Beverly Cleary book, you know, Ralph S. Mouse and the Mouse and Motorcycle. And I knew I must have read at least like one of the Ramona books. In the past like four days, I have read the first five Ramona books. And I'm like, oh, I definitely read every single one of these. <laughs> and I definitely, because in reading them, the memories I have are my childhood reinterpretation of them with the actors from the TV show. <laughs> and it came back so strongly and it was buck wild. Ah, oh, fantastic. The thing it's about these good. books, we read one of them in my grad school children's lit class, but now I don't remember which one. Um, but I just remember us having this discussion of like how contemporary fiction ages or doesn't age well and how these stand up pretty well. Because even though there are some sort of like weirdly dated things that we will, I mean, not weirdly dated, like they're, they were appropriate at the time and now it's like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> right. But the core of these books is so just about the, the children's emotional journey, and that those aspects I think still ring as true as they ever did. And it's just that they're like eating weird food while they're having that journey. Yes, and also her mom is kind of a housewife in a very particular kind of way that most people aren't anymore, at least not working class families. Yeah, but they have a really interesting dialogue about that actually in. I don't know, the third or fourth book um, when her mother decides to get a job working for the doctor in town and Beezus is very excited that she's going to be liberated now. Yeah. <laughs> and there is this whole conversation about 
what it means for her to move back into the workplace. And uh, yeah, it struck me as just really still something that a lot of my friends and their families are continuing to figure out because carrying forward the dynamics of their childhood is not working for their 2018 family. Exactly. Well, and and we'll get into it because this happens in this book, but I do feel like that fight they have about the the crock pot is still something like... Yes. Something that I could see happening today. Yes. Thanks, patriarchy. (sighs) But I think, Renata, what you were saying about like the core of these books are Ramona's experiences as a seven and a half year old child. And they're written so well that even as a 33 or how old am I? Am I 33? <laughs> yes. As a 33 year old woman, birthday, listen, Kate, I just had a birthday. Happy I birthday. have to follow <laughs> math is hard. <laughs> Reading. There's a part where, where Ramona like, is thinking about how like she just really wants to squeeze a full tube of toothpaste and i'm like <laughs> spoiler <"Yes>, alert <laughs> i do i still like when i see it is still my my impulse is to like want to grab it and squeeze it i'm gonna get you a tube of toothpaste <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's don't... the last part of your birthday girl. <laughs> i'll, I'll, I'll bring over a box of kleenex and, I and we'll have the full thing and keep using it. <laughs> There's a two pack right here. Guys, a three pack. It's the worst best sellers party. It's on Amazon. It's 20% coupon. I feel like that should be a new Patreon rewards level. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Caitlin, you're a genius and you should be on our podcast every week. <laughs> Thank you. Always disrupting. $450 is a Lizzie Board Museum. $461. We squeeze toothpaste. Because <laughs> that's how much more it I feel like, hang on, is this going to end up being somebody's like weird fetish porn? (laughs) It already is, Renata. It already is. Cute 30-something squeezing toothpaste. Hell yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, that's a dated joke. Sorry. (laughs) Now it's weird. It got real weird. No one expected the Ramona episode to take this turn. (laughs) let's uh let's push forward past this whatever this was (laughs) um and uh tell you what happens in this book well it starts off on new year's day with brunch which is a great place for things to start always it also it also surprised me and i will say that i immediately went to look up brunch to find out when we started having brunch, because I thought it was like a newer concept. And apparently brunch was popularized in the 1930s. Yeah, so, people so why just... are we acting like brunch is the reason why I don't have a house right now? <laughs> Did they have avocado toast in the 1930s at so brunch? Say, no, they just had gelatin salad, and that was a lot cheaper. So that's why they could afford a house. Yeah, well, checks out. Also, they barely could, so. <laughs> they well, put and... that house. What are you talking about? <laughs> To make this like real serious, real fast, let's talk about what 2018 and the 1930s have in common and uh, why you might want to combine two of your meals okay. into one. Anyway. <laughs> Good times. Yay, millennials. So it's New Year's Day. They're celebrating that Mr. Quimby just got a job yeah. after Yay. being unemployed for a while. And so they're having everyone, all the NPCs are coming over. 
by the way, uh, speaking of him having been out of a job, I do want to say that we've jumped in sort of to the middle of the Ramona series. Um, his joblessness was explored in previous, which we kind of hinted at, but I just to be clear, we've jumped in the middle because this particular book had a lot of moments that we all remembered fondly and wanted to talk about, which we'll get to. But anyway, so if you had read the whole series, you too would be excited that Ramona's dad had finally gotten a job. I also felt like the first, like, three maybe were very disjointed and like could have been read separately and it wasn't until like Ramona and her father that they continued like started to have a through line or maybe one before that yes I I think uh Ramona and her father is where it starts which is also I mean the books are so great because the structure of them also grows up with Ramona who's like four Mm -hmm. in Ramona the Pest and assume that the reader is growing up too and can remember stuff so now you're bringing stuff from a whole nother book so it's brunch o'clock everyone's coming over willa jean who is (laughs) friend howie's little sister is there all dressed in her frilly little dress and she's clean for once instead of covered in crumbs and ramona's like fuck me running i have to like take care of this (laughs) (laughs) yes howie is like homesick or something so she doesn't even have a friend yeah so instead of hanging out with howie she has been instructed that her job is going to be to take care of Willa Jean so the grown-ups can have some alone time. Of and which Beezus is a, a grown-up. <laughs> yes, Beezus is now a grown-up. And Ramona is... <laughs> it is... I, I actually was on the other side of this, but because it was only so recently that I got to move to the grown-up table, I do still remember that envy of being mm-hmm. like... Fucking come on. My family is of a size that I literally have never sat at the adults table for the family (laughs) gatherings and split them. Yeah. We had a couple deaths recently, so I've moved up. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, I might be pushed back down now that my cousin is married though. Mm. As a married couple, they might supersede my and my brother's oldest cousin's stake in the grown up table. Um, Nonsense. But Ramona has been instructed to take care of, of Willa Jean. And so she is she has hidden away all of her toys because she doesn't want Willa Jean to mess them up. She's mad about the whole thing, but she's trying to be like very mature and like grown up Ramona. So she decides she's going to give Willa Jean a present because she loves giving people presents. And if she gives Willa Jean a present, she'll want to play with that and not with any of Ramona's toys. And Uh, and also, and also, this is my favorite detail of it, because it was the most relatable to me, where she's like, and if I give her something, then the grownups will think I'm generous, and they'll, like, praise me for being generous. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That as well. Um, So the the present she comes up with is a brand new box of Kleenex. And her mom is like, that's dumb, but I'm busy, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And (laughs) the gelatin salad to get out of it. Yes. Yes. uh, Yes. Play it on a bed of lettuce. Uh, The Kleenex thing is excellent foreshadowing, too, because you can tell from the beginning that Ramona is really the one who wants to be given a box of Kleenex, and she has a big idea for it, but it's something that a four-year-old could do, and -and seven-and-a-half-year-old Ramona could not get away with. So she's going to teach Willa Jean her ways. Uh, So Willa Jean shows up with this giant stuffed bear called (sighs) Lodger, (laughs) W-Lisp. Mm-hmm. Um, that everyone encourages. Yes. She's going to be in speech therapy. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Uh, and Ramona suddenly wants nothing more but to hug that bear once. Yes. Just once. 
Uh, but Willa Jean won't let her have it. And she thinks like, oh, I'll give her her present and distract her. And then I'll get a chance to like grab the bear. But when she tries this, Willa Jean jumps up, grabs the bear from her and takes it away to go put it with her parents so that Ramona can't touch it. <laughs> yes. Um, Roger she... uh, notably is named for the milkman, an oh, iconic yeah. source of names. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good as Ramona's doll called Chevrolet, though. <laughs> yes. Um, also, side note, I listened to the audio of this. It was read by Stockard Channing, and hearing Stockard Channing call <laughs> a bear Wadger in a little girl voice over and over again for two hours was pretty funny. Oh my gosh. I that. But, uh, so Ramona gives Willa Jean this Kleenex box. Willa Jean is skeptical at first until Ramona explains that because it is Willa Jean's Kleenex box now, it is hers. She can do whatever she wants with it. Like, for example, pull out all the tissues one at a time and throw them around and scatter them everywhere. And uh, Willa Jean gets real into that to the point where she won't let Ramona help. <laughs> <laughs> and takes off into the living room where all the adults are brunching, ripping tissues out of the box and throwing them behind her as she goes, which everyone thinks is cute for like 30 seconds until she starts almost knocking over everyone's drinks. And very quickly, it is time for everyone to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and and notably, Ramona um, has her feelings a little bit hurt because her mother is complimenting like how helpful Beezus was for getting the party ready and, and, you know, and Beezus got to sit at the grown-up table. And so that's also foreshadowing for Ramona's feelings. Yes. Beezus is very helpful. And everyone also comments that Willa Jean is exactly like Ramona was when she was younger, which Ramona finds absolutely appalling. Ramona was never a pest. Yeah. So Ramona is like real put out that a Beezus is has been praised as like her mother's helper and like so great at everything and so adult and Ramona isn't she wants that as well um so she decides that on a day that her mother doesn't have any errands she is going to hang out with her mother who is uh sewing and sew some clothes for her stuffed elephant elephant another great <laughs> Great child name there. Yes. <laughs> um, and Beezus is also sewing, which is annoying to Ramona because Beezus gets to use the sewing machine like an adult. And Beezus, when Ramona first says, I'm going to make slacks for Elephant, her mom's like, mm, maybe that's not a great idea. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it. And then when <laughs> Beezus comes in, Beezus is also like, uh, maybe you should make Ella a skirt because she's a girl. And also because making a skirt would be much easier than making slacks for a strangely shaped elephant. But I just kept seeing it like that meme of like, if you made put pants on, <laughs> on a, dog, a dog, would it be like this? I want to know which way did she go? <laughs> You know what, though, Ella? <laughs> the clothes should make you look good. You don't have to change your body to fit the clothes, Ella. Nope. <laughs> so uh, Ramona is trying to make these pants, and they don't come out right. They're, they won't fit over her butt the right way. And Beezus, of course, made a perfect skirt and is great at everything. But she did get to use the sewing machine this time. She yes. asked in her mother letter, and she's like, this is baller? Yes, like, we... <laughs> We learned that all her past creations have been sewn together with either uh, staples or scotch tape, which was a <laughs> amazing touch. 
So Ramona's like very upset that she can't do things the way she wants to do them. And Beezus is great at everything. So she goes to have a good cry in the bathroom. Classic. Having a good cry place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when she gets there, she sees that there is a tube of toothpaste, a very large tube of toothpaste that so far has not had any toothpaste squeezed out of it. And she's so upset that she says, like, I've always wanted to squeeze some toothpaste out. I bet if I squeeze a little bit out, I'll feel better. (laughs) And of course she does and decides to feel more and more better by squeezing all of it out until she has emptied the entire tube of toothpaste into the sink. Mm Mm-hmm. That is some childhood wish fulfillment there. Yes. Making a beautiful cake with toothpaste roses on it, by the mm-hmm. way. Like, Ramona is an artiste. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this toothpaste moment, I never watched the show. It's been a long time since I read this book. That toothpaste in the sink really is permanently burned into my memory. And when I like when I realized this is the book with that, I was like, oh, yeah, definitely this one. <laughs> it is, of course, in the show, Renata. Of course. <laughs> because... <laughs> Your strong feeling for this is exactly how everyone else feels. And it's like that show is like we cherry picked like the most important things, the egg smacking on the head, yep. the uh, the squeaky shoes, the uh, wearing the pajamas under the clothes, mm-hmm. like all the important stuff. It's all there. The eraser clapping. I don't think they clap erasers. Well, that's because that well. doesn't make good television, I don't think. Yes. <laughs> but the chalk dust would fly out. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus comes in and sees that she has squeezed all the toothpaste out and freaks out because part of Beezus's being like more mature and more grown up now is that she is hyper aware of both the environment and her family's financial position. So it is like, oh my God, I can't believe that you wasted an entire... She made when they, after Willa Jean threw out all the tissues, she made them collect them into a bag to reuse them because tissues come from trees and And, you don't want to just waste a whole tree worth of tissues. And Ramona has such Uh, a good... She's like, suddenly Beezus was a great friend to the trees. And then she like recalls that you're in the bathroom. She's like, I guess Beezus is also a friend of the toothpaste now too. Uh, so Ramona's like oh well we'll just we'll collect it we'll put it in a bag and we can just dip our toothbrushes in and he's just like that's disgusting we'll get all our germs mixed together and immediately tells their mother who tells Ramona that she has to put it in a jar with a spoon and that she will start using that toothpaste going forward and everyone else will get a new tube of toothpaste that they can use which is crushingly sad and genuinely upset me to think about as a child like, she's going to have to use that jar for a long-ass time. <laughs> it's true. It would be a very long time. So after this, we have uh, Ramona's, like, worst day where everything in the world is terrible. When she wakes up, her family starts complaining about things that she did yesterday that she's not doing today. So after her family, like is on her ass about all this stuff that she is not even doing today. Uh, She goes to school and she's got like a terrible lunch and she's bad at spelling and you know, it's just like a rotten school day. And then after school, when she goes over Howie's Willa Jean won't let her and Howie play checkers uh, so Ramona and Howie to escape Willa Jean, they go down into the basement because Willa Jean is afraid of the furnace. Rightly so. 
Yep. And uh, they decide that they are going to build a model boat to sail in the bathtub. And they do this and they fill up the tub and it floats and they're super excited. And then Ramona sees some blue dye up on the shelf. Some Not blue dye, just bluing. A thing that we don't use anymore in this day and age. It's a very... It is a thing? It was. I don't think it is a thing anymore. It might be. Grandma's the world around, I feel. Interesting. Continue to use their bluing, but yeah. Yes, it counteracts yellowy stains um, with the blueiness and keeps your whites white. Good to know. <laughs> um, I read so- a lot of old books as a kid. <laughs> Millennials are destroying the bluing industry. <laughs> so true. <laughs> So uh, she sees this and she's like, oh, well, if we put this in the the tub, it'll look like the boat's on the ocean. So this will be great. Um, Except when she gets it down, she spills it everywhere, including all over her and Howie. And when Howie's grandmother comes downstairs to see what happens and sees that they're covered in all this blue shit, she strips them down to their underwear, which is mortifying because they're second graders now. And while a couple years ago they might not have noticed or cared, now they know that it's weird to be in your underwear with someone uh, of a different gender. But she tries to, like, scrub them clean and it won't work, so she puts all their clothes in the washer and then gives Ramona some of Howie's old clothes to wear. And when they go back upstairs, Willa Jean has cut off Wadger's leg with a pair of scissors to see if Wadger has bones. <laughs> Speaking of As you do. <laughs> yeah. Willa Jean definitely a potential future murderer. <laughs> 100%. Willa Jean with her, like, I think this comes up in the next book when she's like, she likes to play rich lady. Yes. And she's going to be her dog. I just feel like Willa Jean's going to grow up to be like that girl that we all just read about who scammed, who lived in the hotels. And yes. 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 Oh. People. <laughs> I would read that fanfic. <laughs> uh, uh, so, newly dyed blue Ramona in Howie's old clothes is waiting for her family to come pick her up, and they're really late, and she so she's stuck, like, while the Kemp family is eating dinner, which is awkward because they don't have enough for her as well, and she's just, like, upset and embarrassed, and she's hungry, and she wants her family to get there. And when they finally do, she's just like, this whole day has been garbage. It's a garbage day. All I want in the world is to go into the house, smell mom's stew in the crock pot, and eat some crock pot stew, and my day will be fucking okay again. Which, hardcore relatable. I have had so many terrible days that I've gotten through by being like, I have ice cream at home. When I go home. I can eat some ice cream and that will make everything okay again. And, you know, it works because I'm food motivated. Uh, Yeah. But um, unfortunately for Ramona, when they get back home, they do not smell the crock pot when they open the door because they forgot one of her parents. It is unclear who forgot to plug the crock pot in before they left for the day. So their food never cooked. I mean, technically they both forgot. It was yes. just never clear yes. which of them was m- meant to do it. Which and this yeah. is what I had mentioned earlier is then they they start bickering and the her mom says something like, "Well, you 
you know, you think it's women's work to do the cooking. And he's like, he doesn't answer appropriately. Yes, it turns into a fight about whose grandmother was better. Yes. um, Which is just an amazing fight to have while you're making emergency backup dinner. Of pancakes and carrot salad. Yes. Yes. And half a piece of bacon each. Yes. Oh, right. <laughs> but I like, I do feel like that is, you know, we're always seeing like articles and Reddit complaints or whatever, where it's like, you know, we're a heterosexual couple and we both have jobs, but the woman does like all the housework anyway. Grr. And I feel like that's kind of the dynamic that we are seeing here. And Mrs. Quimby is not into it. No. Which is interesting because, I mean, I actually had a talk with my dad when I was home around Christmas, I think, or Thanksgiving, um, about emotional labor, because due to the structure of my parents' jobs and schedules, I did not have a very traditional mom does all the work around the house and dad goes to work every day kind of setup. Both of my parents worked in emergency service type fields. My mom worked in a hospital and my dad was a firefighter. So they didn't work traditional nine to five jobs. And instead of it being like one parent works during the day or the parents work during the day and they're both home with the kids at night. um, Usually only one of my parents was home with us in the evening around dinner time. So they pretty evenly had to split like making dinner and doing the chores around the house and like there are things like my dad still my dad's better at laundry and he's like weird about laundry he's very persnickety about it and he will do laundry to calm down so if you're not careful when you're in my house he will come and find your dirty clothes and do laundry with them because he knows about blueing i was just gonna say (laughs) (laughs) um it is it is interesting to me um to see this argument played out in this book that took place so long ago and to know that it's an argument that is still playing out with so many people that are our contemporaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I mean, I'm gay anyway, so it's not something that the the usual traditional heterosexual model is not going to come up for me in the first place, but also it was not what was modeled to me as a child. So that was just a diversion about my parents. <laughs> Yay, emotional labor. Yeah. Well, congratulations yes. to your parents, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, um, Yeah. I mean, it's just to say that, like, I, everything that Mr. Quimby, it, it, I was just very angry with Mr. Quimby during mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And it, I, yeah. And, and I mean, so, the piece that we're not yeah. getting, because we're in Ramona's head, and and that I think is implied only is that it, it's like 1979 and Ramona's dad has been unemployed and his wife has been the breadwinner. And like, he's probably feeling real shitty about that in a way that is, is being expressed via pancakes and grandmas. <laughs> and um, and I, it's just so well done. Yeah, it becomes yeah. this whole thing where like it, he wants it both ways almost where in addition to like this sort of implication that, you know, cooking is women's work, he starts criticizing the way that she's cooking the pancakes and their fight reaches a crescendo when he accuses her of not cooking the pancakes all the way through and they argue about it. And then he slices open all the pancakes to prove that they're not all the way cooked yet. 
and she like gets fed up and hits him with the spatula and like leaves him to do the cooking and throws away her pancakes. Yes. So it's it's very tense for Beezus and Ramona, who are uh, both very scared that 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 this argument means their parents are going to get divorced because they both have friends whose parents were recently divorced, and it seems terrible. Uh, they both continually try to diffuse the argument uh, in various ways and have like a very anxious night of sleep. Being oh, worried. hang on! You're skipping the uh, most important 1970s story, which is Beezus's at the dinner table decides that she's going to bring some levity by telling this story from school about a kid who um, right. is asked to spell relief on a spelling test and spells it R O L A I D S, which apparently was a commercial. I, as a child, did not know that; had never heard the word Rolades before. I think this is the first time I've read that book and understood that joke. Um, yes. Truly. <laughs> See, I, a there was a version of that time. commercial that was still airing in the nineties. And I, I watched TV that wasn't PBS until I was in high school. Same. Yeah. Uh, as per the previously mentioned situation of my parents working, TV raised us. Yay. So I, I've watched a lot. I watched a lot of television as a child. So I, I knew that one. I got that one. For this book then. <laughs> <laughs> but so the next morning, they go down for breakfast, and Beezus and Ramona are still very nervous, but their parents are, like, fine and talking and having a perfectly normal breakfast, and they're both upset or concerned, like, you were fighting, and now you're not. Like, what is going on? And they're like, well, we weren't, like, fighting, fighting. We were just frustrated, and it's fine, and neither of them seems to think this is a really good ending to this argument. Yeah, and they have a good discussion about it, too, where they're like, but you're the grown-ups, and, like, you're not supposed to talk like this. And they're like, well, nobody's perfect. And Ramona's like, well, then how come you expect me to be perfect? And they're like, damn, good one. Dorothy also feels like this is unfair. Uh, so after this, we finally get to the haircut scene. Yes. Where Beezus, you know, we've gotten all these hints throughout the book that Beezus is maturing and that she wants to do things differently and more grown up now. And uh, one of the things is that all of her friends go to salons and have their hair cut professionally. And Beezus's mother cuts, Mrs. Quimby cuts both Beezus and Ramona's hair at home. And Beezus uh, does not want her mother to cut her hair anymore. She has saved up her money. And she wants to go to a local beauty school and have one of the students cut her hair. There's like one in particular, Donna, who all of her friends have gone to and she's got she's given them really good haircuts. And she really wants her hair to be cut like Dorothy Hamill's. And her mother, like at first, is angry about this or frustrated with this. But eventually when she says like, oh, I saved all my money, her mom's like... Uh, fucking whatever. Okay, we'll go. That is, in fact, a direct quote from the yeah. text. <laughs> fucking whatever, said Mrs. Quimby. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so they go to uh, the hairdressing school. Ramona gets car sick on the way because it's very far. Well, it's it's a, not in a normal place that they would go. Mrs. Quimby needs directions and Beezus isn't great at giving them. And when they finally get there, 
Beezus is told that Donna actually graduated last week and she is not at the beauty school anymore. But this gentleman, Lester, is available to cut her hair. And because Beezus doesn't know any better at this point in her life, she <laughs> says, oh, my regular stylist isn't available. Okay, I'll go to a strange man who I've never seen what he can do before and goes off to have her hair cut. And Ramona is bored and nosing around. And one of the folks there says, oh, well, you know, we give half price haircuts to little girl to children if you are interested in that. And Ramona's mom is like, fine, like, go fucking for it. whatever. <laughs> yeah, fucking whatever. I'm going to read this recipe magazine. Just Bef- before that. Shit. Before that, Ramona says, no, I can't get my hair cut because we are scrimping and saving because she had remembered that phrase and that it's just such a hilarious image of this like seven and a half. You're like, we are scrimping and saving. But also, you know, that's what she's picking up at home for sure. It reminded me of that scene in the season of Jane the Virgin where uh, Mateo hears his parents arguing about how he can't do karate anymore, till, so it's too expensive, so he tells all his classmates they're poor yep. after, like, fancy private school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so uh, she gets, Ramona gets a haircut, too, and she gets a pixie cut that is, like, a literal, like, her hair is, the her bangs are longer in the front, uh, and they come down to, like, a little point, and it's so cute, and everyone at the salon is like, oh my god, this girl's hair is so cute, she looks adorable. No one's ever called Ramona adorable before. She's really, like, into this whole thing where people tell her how great she is. <laughs> and then Beezus comes out. Oh, Beezus. Bless her heart. Mm-hmm. Beezus cannot get a break. No. Beezus apparently looks like a 40-year-old woman. And everyone at the salon is like speechless. There's Uh, so much hairspray involved. Yes. Uh, And everyone there is just kind of like mutely staring at her, except for Robert who owns the beauty school and is like, Oh, you look great. And Beezus knows that she does not look great. And uh, has some hysterics with her mother about how terrible her hair is now. And her mom's like, listen, we'll just wash all this product out and we'll comb it and it'll look fine. Like, you know, it's just how it's styled. Like, it's okay. Um, Which, like, is the whole thing was very relatable. There have been so many times where I've, like, saved up for a thing and finally done it. And it is disappointing or does not work out the way that I want or immediately breaks or you know, whatever. And you're like, well, what did I, I could have had so many ice creams with this money. And instead (laughs) I got a shitty haircut. (laughs) And then next up, uh, Ramona does get a break and she gets some new pajamas that aren't even hand-me-downs from Beezus, although they were on sale, but uh, they've got balloons on them. They're very cute. It's very exciting. And they're very comfortable. Yes. yes, Ramona has been very into pretending to be a bunny lately and like twitching her nose all over the place because she thinks it will make her feel closer to her mother and her mother will just love her if she's an adorable little bunny. And mm-hmm. so the pajamas are like peak fuzzy bunny cozy in her little Warren mood for Ramona. Yes. And she's excited too because her old pajamas were too tight and now that these are bigger she can hop better in her bunny hop (laughs) she's very restricted by the old two small pajamas so in the morning when she wakes up she loves her new pajamas so much she doesn't want to take them off 
and she remembers that she heard about how um, firefighters sleep in their underwear so that they can just jump right into their fire gear when they wake up. So she decides she's going to pretend to be a firefighter and put her clothes on over her pajamas so she has an excuse to wear her pajamas to school and, like, gets about halfway to school before she realizes this may be a mistake. (laughs) Uh, She is very sweaty and very uncomfortable. And uh, when she gets to school, she's, like, flushed and out of breath and overheating and her teacher sends her to the nurse because she like looks like she's got a fever but the nurse is like nope you're fine and sends her back to class and uh before recess her teacher calls her aside and is like ramona what is going on you can tell me like i it'll be our secret i won't tell anyone so she tells her like her whole i'm wearing pajamas under my clothes thing so her teacher gives her a paper bag that says like we'll go take them off and just put your regular clothes on and put them in this bag and we won't tell anyone that this happened. So Ramona does this and she's much cooler and feels much better and has a much better day and has such a good day that she forgets her pajamas when she goes home and it's Friday. So she uh, won't have them, won't be able to bring them back until after the weekend And she's very embarrassed by this. She doesn't want anyone to know that she wore her pajamas to school. And so she can't let anyone know that she left them at school because then she'll have to explain how they got to school in the first place. So she gets real secretive about like tucking herself into bed early with her old pajamas on so that her parents don't see and uh, getting undressed and redressed in her closet so that no one can see her getting ready. And... The next day, while they're doing chores, her teacher calls, and Ramona immediately assumes that she called to say to her mother, like, oh, by the way, Ramona wore her pajamas to school. And she's very betrayed by this, because that was told in confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So she freaks out and, like, screams at her mother, screams at her, at Beezus, at everyone, about how, like, everyone is making fun of her, Everyone is terrible. No one trusts her. No one loves her. Everything's the worst. She's going to run away from home. And to her surprise, instead of everyone being like, oh, my God, no, Ramona, you can't run away from home. We love you. They're kind of like, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fuck it, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. My brother used to do this like once a week and he would go to the stop sign at the end of our block and just sit there for like five minutes and then get up and come home. That's and legit. And I was running away. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was aided in the melodramatic running away situation because we had a barn on our property. Sweet. Peak runaway zone, let me tell you. Yeah. Not that I did it very often, but I definitely had at least like one very dramatic moment in the barn. Yeah, there were a couple times where I, like, packed a bag and, like, I think once I walked up the street to the lake, which was about as far as we were allowed to walk by ourselves anyway, (laughs) and then came back not long after. But Ramona doesn't even make it that far. No. She she starts out very well, though, with her whole 43 cents and a (laughs) box of crayons. (laughs) Yeah, the the essentials. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then then her mom comes in with a suitcase and she's like, oh, if you're going to run away, you'll need all this stuff. And she helps her pack her suitcase so full 
and Ramona, as as they're packing, Ramona's very portrayed. She's like, oh my god, my mom doesn't love me. She's helping me. She wants to get rid of me. What the heck? And then she realizes that the suitcase is so full she can't even lift it. And she has this moment of clarity and realizes her mom did it on purpose because her mom doesn't actually want her to run away because her mom loves her. <sighs> and her mom, it, she calls her mom out and her mom's like, yep, you're right. Like, I couldn't live without you. Which is what she'd said earlier about Beezus, and it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. And the mother Genuine reveals that, <laughs> that the reason her teacher called was that her she'd noticed Ramona had been twitching her nose a lot, and she wanted to know if Mrs. Quimby had noticed that. And she's like, "Why do you keep twitching your nose?" And she's like, "Cause I'm a little bunny." Yeah, because her teacher's like, maybe she's having a nervous breakdown or something. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> does she need to not come to school so much? Or, like, does she need a reduced work day? So, yeah, that's that's that book. Yes, and notably, um, Mrs. Rudge, the teacher on the phone, had called Ramona a little sparkler and was talking about how great she is. So Ramona signs her name in cursive and decorates the big flourish at the end of the Y with little sparkler motions which to me is clearly a callback to the time in kindergarten when she drew all her cues as cats um, forever embellishing her own name. Yes. I was going to say the same that, and also, you know, the ongoing struggle of writing cursive, like now, now she gets it enough to add these sparklers. She's on it. Yes. And she just heads out to roller skate and have a good day. (sighs) So, so good. You guys. I love this book. All right. Uh, should we move on to our dramatic readings and give you all a, a sample of how good it is? Sounds Let's. good. Great, because that was not really a, an actual question. We're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our first one is going to be toward the beginning of the book when we're having a sewing adventure. And Caitlin will be Ramona, and Kate will be Beezus, and Becca will be Mrs. Quimby, and I will be silent. Bye. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Yeah, so I call this uh, Ramona resists gender essentialist clothing, clothing <laughs> decisions for elephants. Mrs. Quimby considered elephant and her slacks. Well, maybe you could find something easier to sew. Slacks for an elephant are very hard to make. I'm sure I couldn't do it. Ramona could not scowl any harder. I like to do hard things. I know you do, and I admire you for it. But sometimes it's better to start with something easy and work up. Why don't you make a skirt? Elephant is a girl elephant. I don't want to make a skirt. Ramona's voice was rising. I want to make pants. She looked at her mother and sister, so calm and happy with their sewing. Why couldn't her sewing turn out right the way theirs did? Ramona felt shut out from something she longed to share. Picky Picky stopped washing, gave Ramona a long stare and slowly and disdainfully left the room. Now, Ramona, I know you are disappointed, but life is full of little disappointments. You'll get over it. Why don't you try something else? A skirt, the way Beezus suggested. I won't either get over it. Nobody had to tell Ramona that life was full of disappointments. She already knew. She was disappointed almost every evening because she had to go to bed at 8.30 and never got to see the end of the 8 o'clock movie on television. She had seen many beginnings, but no endings. And even though she had outgrown her tricycle, she was still disappointed because she never could find a tricycle license plate with her name printed on it. Didn't the people who made those license plates care about little girls named Ramona? 
And then there was that time she had gone to the Easter egg hunt in the park with a big paper bag and had found only two little candy eggs, one of which had been stepped on. Nobody had to tell Ramona about disappointment. The disappointment of Elephant Slacks was not one of life's little disappointments to Ramona. It was a big disappointment because she had failed at something she wanted to do and because she no longer felt she was sharing with her mother. Beezus was doing so instead. I don't want to do something easier, yelled Ramona and hurled poor old Elephant and her slacks across the room. As the elephant bounced off the wall, a thought flashed through Ramona's mind. Her mother had not actually said she was not like Willa Jean. Mrs. Quimby spoke sharply. That's enough, Ramona. Calm down. I won't calm down, shouted Ramona, bursting into tears. She fled to that haven of anyone in the family who had tears to shed, the bathroom, where she sat on the edge of the tub, sniffling miserably. Nothing was fair. Her mother was always saying everyone must be patient with Beezus when she was cross, because Beezus had reached a difficult age. But what about Ramona? Her age was difficult, too. Not old enough to sit down with her mother and sew something she wanted to sew, and too old to go pulling out a whole box of Kleenex and flinging it all over the house like Willa Jean. People should not think being seven and a half years old was easy, because it wasn't. By the way, uh, as as a Renata, I relate to her struggle of the tricycle license plate so hard. I feel like, yes, both Caitlins are probably with you. On yes, that yes, absolutely. Plus, Rebecca's with good biblical names were fine. <laughs> I mean, I I would wager about Caitlin's. Like, you maybe would have the frustration of seeing, oh, that's my name, but spelled wrong. I don't know, but like me, it was like nothing. We were skipping straight from Rebecca to Renee. Nothing. Yeah, I would say, like, now, in particularly, like, 10 years ago, you can get every spelling of Caitlin anyone's ever invented on personalized stuff. But when I was a kid, you had to get Katie, and Katie is not my name. Mm. And people would give me Katie stuff anyway, and Mm. no. No thank you. That's terrible. (laughs) People did call me Katie, but it was spelt K-A-I-T-Y. Sure. So I couldn't even use the Katie stuff. Because oh. um, even back then, even the C-A-I-T-L-I-N wasn't on pretty no. much anything. The injustice. Yes. Kids today are so lucky to have, you know, print-on-demand stuff. Oh. <laughs> when I was a child, <laughs> we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow to get our personalized tricycle <laughs> license plates with somebody else's name on them. Oh, we sure did. Anyway, that's why Ramona is so relatable, (laughs) among other reasons. And our next dramatic reading is from the iconic haircut scene. And I will be Ramona. Becca will be Robert, the owner of the hair school. Kate will be my mom. And Caitlin will be Beezus. But something made the smile on Mrs. Quimby's face fade. Ramona turned and stared at Beezus standing beside the screen. Her sister's hair had been teased and sprayed until it stood up three inches above her face. Her bangs were plastered in a curve against her forehead. Beezus did not look like an ice skater on television. She looked like an unhappy 7th grade girl with 40-year-old hair. Ramona did not know what to say. No one knew what to say, except Robert. 
You look lovely, dear. He said, but no one answered. Beezus's face looked as stiff as her hair. Ramona thought of the allowance Beezus had saved and wanted to shout at Robert, She does not look lovely. My sister looks terrible. For once she kept still. She felt sorry for her sister and sad about the allowance she had saved for so long. But deep inside, where she was ashamed of her feeling, she felt a tiny triumph. Ramona looked nicer than Beezus. Ramona walked carefully to the car, not wanting to disturb her hair by running and hopping. Beezus walked in stony silence. When all three had buckled their seatbelts, Beezus could no longer hold back her feelings. Well, go ahead and say it. Tell me my hair looks terrible. Tell me my hair looks stiff and horrible like a wig. A cheap wig. Now, Beezus. Well, it does. You know it does. I tried to tell the man I didn't want my hair to stand up, but he said I would be pleased when he finished, and now I've wasted your whole morning and all my allowance. I look terrible, and I can't go to school because everyone will laugh at me. Dear girl. Tears came into Ramona's eyes. She felt she could not bear her sister's unhappiness, even if she did look nicer than Beezus. That awful stiff hair, the wasted allowance. Ramona no longer triumphed in looking nicer. She did not want to look nicer. She wanted them to look the same, so people would say, There goes that nice-looking Beatrice Quimby and her nice-looking little sister. I just wanted to look nice. I know that what I do is more important than how I look, but I just wanted to look nice. Of course you do. No matter what we say, we all want to look nice. Ramona sniffed. She felt so sad. And you will look nice. Once you wash out all that hairspray and comb your hair. Don't forget, Lester cut your hair, and that's what counts. Do you really think it will look all right when it's washed? Yes, I do. It just needs to be washed and combed. And the good news is, she's right. It pretty much does. Oh, God. I mean, this, again, this is from the 70s, and that, I, that like, I know it's more important what I do, but I just want to look nice. Like, yeah, we all, we all feel that way, no matter, no matter what feminism is trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so our last dramatic reading is uh, Ramona scheming, coming up with her pajamas to school scheme, and Kate will be Ramona and I will be her mother. Suddenly, she recalled seeing the kindergarten class in their plastic red fire hats trooping back from a visit to the fire station, which made her think of her own visit to the firehouse when she was in kindergarten and how she had loved her fire hat. For days afterward, whenever she found even two newspapers piled together, she had called her parents' attention to a fire hazard. <laughs> She also recalled how astonished she had been to learn that the firemen slept in their underwear so that they could jump out of bed and into their clothes if they were called out in the night. Of course, Ramona did not sleep in her underwear, but if she put her clothes on over her pajamas, she could pretend to be a fireman anyway. As Ramona rinsed her dishes, she stopped being a rabbit and became a fireman. She raced down the hall and pulled her slacks on over her pajama bottoms. Fortunately, she was not really on her way to fight a fire, because she had a hard time stuffing the folded-up legs into her slacks. Then she jerked her turtleneck sweater over the pajama top. 
The knitted neck and wristbands hid the flannel nicely. Ramona felt stuffed, but cozy and warm. She remembered to brush her teeth and was ready for school. Like a fireman, she pulled on her boots and grabbed her raincoat and hat and raced into the kitchen for her lunchbox. Bye, Mother, she called out as she ran out the back door. Where's the fire? How did she guess? Ramona wondered as she ran toward school. Then she decided her mother had not really guessed because she often asked where the fire was when Ramona was in a hurry. A warm, misty spring rain was falling. Bits of green tipped the black branches of trees. Ramona slowed down to investigate crocus buds, like tiny yellow and blue Easter eggs that were pushing up through a neighbor's lawn. Then she ran on as fast as she could in her stuffed condition, her mouth open, wailing like a fire engine, her boots clomping on the sidewalk. She paid no attention to the people walking to the bus stop who looked at her in surprise. Firemen must get awfully hot, thought Ramona, when she arrived panting and sweating at Glenwood School. I mean, they do because of the fires. <laughs> good call. <laughs> Gosh, what a good book, you guys. All right. Uh, ready for some would you rathers? Yes, please. I am indeed. Would you rather pull every Kleenex out of a box or squeeze out a whole tube of toothpaste? I think we, for me at least, we discussed this already. It would be squeeze out a whole tube of toothpaste. Um, I need those Kleenexes, like, a lot, Mm -hmm. pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. We could put them back in a bag and still use them. That's true. Yeah, if that's part of it, I would rather use Kleenex out of a bag than use toothpaste out of a jar. But if I don't have to deal with the ramifications, (laughs) I think I'm toothpaste. Yeah, Adulthood is all about not having to deal with the ramifications of this, so... Is it? Is it? I mean, look, we've we've got our patron, we've got that extra tube of toothpaste money. Sweet. All right. How about, would you rather have... Uh, oh, Becca didn't... It's okay. It's like I'm not even here. Don't worry about it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we just also toothpaste. <laughs> no, I'd pull out Kleenex, because that would be fun for longer. Fair. You'd get rid of that Taste awful quick. I'm a poor kid. We had to think about these things. <laughs> I would be very precise and stylish with my toothpaste, as anyone who knows me can tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. And then after you like pulled it all out, you could still play with it when it was done. Whereas like toothpaste, you just had to like, I don't know, squish around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, and then you would probably have to clean out the sink. Yep. You gotta make that fun last. Yeah. Fair. All right, Becca, sorry to cut you off before you got to your Kleenex opinions. I cherish them. (laughs) Uh, Okay, now that we've all weighed in, would you rather wear your pajamas under your clothes all day or get your hair cut by Lester? This one's easy for me. I am not precious about my hair the way that some people are, um, which is not to knock anyone who is. It's just largely outside of my experience um but i have had like less satisfying haircuts from people who were not my regular stylist in particular i remember once my stylist had strep throat and i saw like another guy who was not only more expensive but also didn't even dry my hair and did not like i looked much more like a soccer mom than like a trendy (laughs) lesbian um so i was a little annoyed by that but it's hair it grows out but 
um, the kicker here is that I sleep in pajamas that are basically clothes. So it would not be very hard at all for me to wear a camisole and boxer shorts underneath my actual clothes. So you're picking both is what I hear? (laughs) No, I'm picking pajamas. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I too would pick pajamas under my clothes, I think. Um, I live in Iowa where it's like god-awful cold for six months of the year. So honestly, it would be pretty great. And I have been known to refer to fleece-lined tights as pajamas you can wear to work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm all in on that fuzzy bunny feeling. I'm in like the same boat as Kate, where it's like, I don't, doesn't matter. Like, A, I cut my hair drunk in the bathroom myself. So like, Lester's still probably a step up. (laughs) B, like, I wear a tank top and leggings under absolutely every outfit that I wear that is not pants already. And that's basically what I sleep in. I just take off the dress and I'm like, all right, now I'm in pajamas. Nailed it. So doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, my answer would depend a little bit on uh, the season. Like, but even now, I mean, my pajamas is like boxers and a t-shirt. I could wear that under a dress pretty easy, probably. Um, Yeah. I mean, Lester doesn't like, then you got to tip Lester probably. And I think that would be the worst part of the whole thing. So I'll go with pajamas under clothes. Excellent. All right, last up, would you rather eat brunch with the Quimby family or eat at Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie, that is also our sponsor? Uh, I would absolutely go to Steaks and Cakes. I have no desire to eat a gelatin salad, but I do have a desire to eat an entire steak and an entire cake. I would take the Quimby's to Steaks and Cakes. Oh, And then, like, treat them. While there isn't like hamburgers and french fries, like they're so fond of uh, back in the days when they could afford to eat out, mm-hmm. that I think I think the girls would be into eating a whole cake. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> like for sure. Quite possibly. And it would be a special occasion, so I think they'd allow it. <laughs> I think I would just go to brunch at the Quimby's house. I feel like they have been my best friend slash family for like 25 years now, and oh. I would not pass up an opportunity to see what their house looks like. Jello salad, not my favorite, but like I could eat the lettuce. That's okay. And I assume, I don't think they tell us about any of the other foods, but I assume there was something non-jello involved in a uh, brunch. There was brunch fried is sausage. Usually a good idea. There was coffee. That's all I need to know. You're uh, in charge of Willa Jean though. No, Ramona's in charge of Willa. Oh, there's a muffin basket and there's coffee. I'm at Quimby brunch for <laughs> sure. Now, and Watchers there. Mm, it's true. And Kleenex. A great time. <laughs> so important. <laughs> so, you can a- warn Watcher of his future. Mm. Yeah, I'm flipping back through. Like, they've got marmalade, they've got scrambled eggs. Send me to brunch. Uh, of course, I do highly value the sponsorship of Steaks and Cakes. But I think the deciding factor, I think I am going to, don't tell them, but I think I am going to go to the Quimby's as well rather than Steaks and Cakes. And because here's why, because Picky Picky the cat is at the Quimby's house. And the best kind of party is when I can leave the party and just pet a cat in a corner for a while. (laughs) And I'm just going to be down on the floor with Picky Picky with my marmalade. Perfect. 
All right. Well, good game, everyone. Now let us move on to Reader's Advisory, where we suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to the Ramona books, which first of all, I think we all 100% think you should read the Ramona books if you haven't already. I would agree with that. Right at the top, I am going to give a shout out to uh, Chemistry Lessons by friend of the show, uh, Meredith Goldstein, because the launch party for that book is happening right now while we're recording this. And I mistakenly told her I could go because I forgot we were recording this. And I feel kind of bad about that. And we have recommended this book on the show before. It's good. You should read it. You know, give her a little boost. Hell yeah. It's uh, it's not for Ramona age children, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably an adult and you would love it. <laughs> if you let your seven year old listen to worst bestsellers, your seven year old can probably read chemistry lessons too, I guess. <laughs> okay, so I have some suggestions for all the seven year olds out there. Hey, seven year olds, thanks for listening. Uh, What's up, cool baby? Please don't adopt fucking whatever is your retort of choice. Um, but. Um, I brainstormed a few series to recommend to the kids who are Ramona super fans um, in my job as youth services librarian for grownups. Um, so some that are more recent and I think just have some of that spirit of Ramona. They're really in touch with just like the emotional agony of trying really hard to be a basically good kid in the world are um, there's a series of books about a girl named Jasmine Toguchi that are by Debbie Michiko Florence. Um, They're really great. Uh, There's another series that has two books in it so far about a girl named Scylla Lee Jenkins by Susan Tan. Um, Notably, I read the second Scylla Lee Jenkins book while I was reading Beezus and Ramona, and they both have like the super cool aunt who is attentive to the emotional needs of the sister who's getting left behind. Um, And then also Monica Brown's series about Lola Levine, which all have rhyming titles, which is the best. Mm -hmm. Um, And then post-Ramona, I also just really recommend the Gaither Sisters trilogy by Rita Williams Garcia, um, which is One Crazy Summer, etc., Um, which just also have that like being a kid is hard and families are complicated but like kids know what's going on and sisters eventually just all want to look nice together Mm -hmm. just just respect for the emotional journey of childhood is what these books have Love it. And I'm going to say, too, I just read the first uh, Scylla Lee Jenkins book, and I also just met Susan Tan, who's cool. pretty cool. So Good. Glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. I, you she should... only read the second one, so between us, we're one completionist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read a lot of middle grade, personally, um, but I did recently read a book that, um, it's not a series, but it's, it's very good, and it really... Um, again, as I just said, respects the emotional journey of childhood and, like, what kids are picking up on. And it's Front Dusk by um, Kelly Mm. Yang. I love that. Yeah, I know um, a lot of of book people have been raving about it, which is why I ventured out of my Wyatt comfort zone to pick it up. And it just, like, I just was sobbing over it. Uh, It's And it, in addition to just sort of standard childhood issues, it also deals with immigration and... Um, exploitation of of immigrant workers and class solidarity and different levels of racism and just all the stuff that kids can pick up. Kids kids are smart and but it's all handled so 
beautifully and so good. And also, like, it's funny and it's relatable in addition to having all this other stuff going on. It's just good as hell, man. Yeah, content note on Front Desk. I discovered reading that book that, like, where many of my friends have, like, pets in peril, absolute no-go, like, won't read a book where the dog dies. Mm -hmm. Front Desk has a scene where the mom is extremely in peril, and apparently that's my thing, is, like, you can come after anyone, but don't come for the moms. Um, And they come for the moms in Front Desk. They do, but the moms are, spoiler, the moms are okay. Yes, all the moms make it to the end of the book. (laughs) Um, I'm going to throw into just, um, a recommendation for the Fudge series mm-hmm. by Judy Bloom, which are books that I read, um, at the same time that I was reading a lot of the Beverly Cleary books. Although I think they're, I think of them, I guess, in the same, in the same breath a lot. And I'm sure that if you have read the Beverly Cleary books, you have probably also read the Fudge books, but, uh, there are also some great middle grade, timeless sibling shenanigans yes true classics um i also had one adult book to recommend for the theoretical adult readers of this podcast um which is the book tell the wolves i'm home by carol rifka brunt which i think is the main character of this book june is 12 bezos's age um and it's another book that i think does a really great job of remembering what it's like to be a 12 year old and just the absolute agony of trying so hard to be good the main character of this book is also a younger sister trying so hard to find your place in your family um oh she's actually 14 but she just like she really enjoys tromping around in the woods in like her special boots that make her feel like a medieval lady and that just resonated really strongly with me mm-hmm. and felt very ramonish it's also about um her uncle has died of complications from aids and so it's a lot about figuring out his life and meeting his partner and like sad stuff but really just like the essence of being a confused tween with feelings that's been on my to read list for a while Hopefully I I'll read really it liked it. Yeah. yeah. And I will just say again, I recommend the Ramona TV series, which I think three out of yes. four of us do. And yes. Renata <laughs> would if she had seen it. I'm sure uh, that I would. Yes. It's a really, it's just a really well done adaptation. I think it's really faithful to the books. I think. It's fantastic. And I think having just rewatched it all, like with the exception of like, you know, it's an 80s quality filming that was it was made in 1988 and it looks and sounds that way and obviously the clothing and hairstyles appeal to that but aunt <laughs> b is fly let me tell you yes. she comes out in this like magenta lame jacket and i'm like girl you are killing it <laughs> um, but like with the exception of that and the fact that obviously no one has a cell phone or ipad it's it is very timeless feeling it is the same things that like like nothing's just nothing's different it's the same shit you're going through as a eight-year-old then as you would now just without an ipad (laughs) (laughs) did any did any of y'all watch unthinkable yes did any of y'all watch their more recent uh bezos ramona movie with selena gomez did not i did watch the trailer the other night because i was like what was this like and it seemed weird but it did seem like it took a lot of things from the books and kind of mushed them up into one big two-hour story i i didn't watch it either but i do stand selena gomez so i'll 
tentatively recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Slash tweet at me if you have seen it. But only if Selena's good in it. I don't want to hear about this. (laughs) All right. uh, We'll have all of these and maybe some other ones up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. So check that out. And let's move on to our candy pairing where... Just like Mrs. Quimby planning a brunch menu, we'll suggest some candy to go along with this book. Uh, So my candy pairing is an entire, like, absolute mouthful of those melty, buttery dinner mints, just because I think that's the closest thing to, like, submerging your face in an entire squeezed out tube of toothpaste. Correct. (laughs) Um, I I said jello salad, uh, which... I am from the Midwest, and I'm imagining, like, a very good, like, the kind of good mm-hmm. jello salad, you know, with, like, the whipped cream and the pineapple. Uh, not, like, I have to imagine the the one from the 70s is probably more disgusting than what I grew up eating, <laughs> which was also disgusting, but in, like, a delicious way. Uh, I said gummy bears divided evenly with your sibling. <laughs> Mine is unbranded generic hard candy from the jar on your teacher's desk, uh, you know, which is just like the ultimate treat when you're eight. It doesn't matter that, you know, probably your teacher got it from the dollar store and it had been on the shelf for 900 years. You did something good and she handed you that piece of candy and you can lord it over the rest of your classmates. (laughs) Not in my school. Couldn't afford candy. Yeah, I think the Healthy Schools Act has uh, precluded that one. Well, that's just like this book. (laughs) Uh, All right, delicious. Uh, Now we'll move on to our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where uh, Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Becca and Caitlin will both choose which they feel would most enhance the book, or they can choose paper, which is to leave this timeless, timeless classic unaltered. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson were in this book, uh, he would just replace Mrs. Rudge, and that would be it. Everything else would be exactly the same, except the Rock would have Mrs. Rudge's lines, and he would be Renona's teacher, and just have this brief cameo, and it would be great. The end. Well, if Wolverine were in this book... Uh, he'd be friends with Mr. Quimby, who would watch Ramona sometimes, maybe when Mrs. Kemp wasn't available. Uh, he would relate to Ramona's independent spirit and use his claws to help her with some slightly more advanced woodworking projects than what she and Howie <laughs> got up to. Other than that, the book would remain the same, except Ramona might get a cool wooden toy and Mrs. Kemp might get a break once in a while. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Kemp. <laughs> Oh, well, this I will is hard. Say, Go ahead. I, I will say it is not hard for me because before either of you wrote this in the document, I knew what answer I had. And if either of you got that answer, that was the correct answer. And the answer is obviously the rock is her teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say paper. I have to say, no, the rock is her teacher. <laughs> See, I think there's something distinctly weird and this might be unfair, but like the scene where the teacher's like, it's okay that you're not wearing underwear. Just go to the bathroom and take off your pajamas <laughs> is like different if it's not a kindly middle-aged lady teacher, but maybe that's not fair. I mean, if any man could pull it off in a non-sketchy way, okay. it's probably the rock. That's but... so true. That's so true. But still. Okay. Yes. I think I really love the idea of Ramona hanging out with Wolverine and making woodworking projects but I think I have to choose paper because 
this book, it's just like an egg. I'm afraid to tap on any part of it lest it fall apart. It's pretty great. Listen, that's fair. And anyway, Wolverine's got hella other tween girls to hang out with, so it's fine. <laughs> that doesn't sound creepy at all. <laughs> that's his brand. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> all right. What do we think the moral of the story is? Uh, so I have a moral of the series, which is justice for Beezus. Older sisters need love, too. Um, <laughs> but my moral of this book is that every elephant should be able to wear the slacks and or skirt of their choosing. So true. Well, my moral is just kids are weird. And, uh, also true. Yeah, and I'm glad Beverly Cleary respects that weirdness. My moral is teachers aren't paid enough. <laughs> and my moral of the story is never accept a substitute hairdresser. Never, yeah. ever. You can learn so much from this book. My gosh. It's true. All right, now it's time for my cat Duarte's corner, where he'll tell us his thoughts about the book. <laughs> Yeah, Duarte, you are right. Picky Picky did not get enough page time in this book. But I do think the good news is you probably don't want Ramona, like, all up in his grill all that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't understand why Beverly Cleary didn't write a sequel from Picky Picky's point of view. But, you know, that's something that you would have to take up with her. I don't really have any answers for you. I would read that fanfic also. <laughs> yeah, she's she's still alive. Like she she That's wrote true. The, she wrote the Ribsy book. Make a small comeback, but really, yeah, give us that cat book. All right. Well, Dorothy, thanks thanks as ever for chiming in. And now, do any humans have any closing thoughts? I wanted to say, I, Caitlin, you you sound based on your moral like an older sister. Oh yes, <laughs> and I think. Sure, justice for Beezus and justice for older siblings, but also I think that plays in as a younger sibling. I had one older brother, mm -hmm. and reading these, I always was like, gosh, why don't I have an older sister? Because Beezus is great. But also, like, there doesn't need to be justice for my older brother because I was still the girl, and I was I was somehow still the Beezus, mm -hmm. despite being the Ramona. I was the responsible one, and I was the one who would do things when you asked her to do it. So I still had to do all the fucking chores, and he never did. Ugh. And so justice for me, too. <laughs> yeah, justice for sisters. I'm in hand-me-downs, hand but still having to do the dishes. So explain yeah. that one to me. All sisters, <laughs> all the time. Um, yeah, I had spent a long time, like, admiring all my friends with their, like, Ramona tattoos and Ramona this and that, but could not empathize with that deep spiritual connection to Ramona. And it was only, like, this summer rereading these books that I realized that it's because I am like Beezus to the core yeah. and less so in this book but particularly when Ramona's younger and we see Beezus just being exasperated with her all the time like that was my childhood and Beverly saw me too <laughs> yeah I would have to say I ultimately am more hashtag team Beezus but the truly you need both of them and that's yes. you know <sighs> And that's how you know you've made an iconic series when when both siblings are equally important and hashtag relatable to their readers. Yes. And like now that I'm a grown up, sometimes I'm also like the Mr. or Mrs. Quimby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not yet the Mrs. Kemp, but I'm sure that's coming. <laughs> it is something that, like I said, I have delved deep into these in the past week in a, in a way I have not in probably over 25 years. Um 
And it was interesting to just look back at it as an adult and be like, oh, I see why I related so hard to these because, you know, I did have an older sibling, but also we were a family that scrimped and saved. We ate mystery meat because it was on sale and we just had to deal with it. And if you didn't eat it, you went hungry. And being a child and being aware of those conversations about money and like understanding vaguely what they mean, but not everything. And you know, knowing that when your mom's like, well, that car is making that noise again, knowing that it means more than just the car is making a noise and that it has a ripple effect. And, you know, growing up in hand-me-downs, because even though I had an older brother, I had an older cousin too, and all I wore was her clothes. <laughs> and everything about it, and also all of Ramona's anxieties, which I am sure in reading these books, people are like, these are little kid anxieties. Guess what? I still have all of those. And I like related maybe too hard <laughs> yep. to an eight year old in these books of like, I don't want to do this thing because everyone will laugh at me. I don't want to like, I have all her anxieties and none of her brashness in the moment where she forgets about them and just does it anyway. And then afterwards, like, oh, no, now they're laughing at me. I'm like, no, I just sit very still. That's why I'm a Jesus. I'm like, I'm just gonna sit very still and be unnoticed. <laughs> Yes, I am definitely the Ramona moment when everyone's telling her to make the skirt for the elephant. And she just says, I like doing hard things. <laughs> exactly what I would say if you pushed me on something that I was determined to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we talked a lot about how this is very emotionally realistic. We didn't talk as much, or at least not as much, explicitly pointing out how it is so realistic to a kind of like lower class lower middle class existence uh -uh. that you don't see as much in middle grade like either everyone's sort of generic middle class or you get some books about like like urchins but mm -hmm. there's still not a ton of books that are realistically just like no like we're we're okay like we're not going to bed hungry but like it's it's not we we really can't wait that waste that crockpot meat you know like yeah, we if the crockpot didn't turn on, like, we're splitting pieces of bacon for dinner. Yeah. <sighs> so good. I mean, the book is so good. Not that situation. <laughs> 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 to be clear. All right. Well, if you want if you want to come and talk to us about pancakes or anything, we're, all, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash worstbestsellers. We're on Twitter at worstbestsellers. With no S at the end, because you know what? We can't afford the S right now. Your father's out of work. Maybe we'll talk All about it. Our scrimping and saving. <laughs> yes. yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a Goodreads group that you can get to from our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pops us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review us, I personally am going to break into your house and squeeze all of the toothpaste out of the tube. <laughs> and it's going to be great. 
you can also uh, subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers, uh, where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation to go towards supporting the podcast, um, paying for our hosting, paying Becca to edit our episodes. Which stop and consider that not only did I have to read Ready Player One and then talk about Ready Player One for two hours, I then had to edit that two-hour episode <laughs> where I had to listen to my own dumb voice talk about about Ready Player One, and so like yeah, please subscribe because that costs a lot of gin. <laughs> um, and uh, additionally, if you go to our website, you can find a link to our Redbubble store where you can get merch and wear our podcast on your body. Can we make a shirt that says "I stand for picky picky"? I picky picky. Ooh, I picky picky. Yeah, Beverly Cleary, like, she's not going to sue us, right? She's cool. Definitely not. I don't know if she knows what Redbubble is or wherever the hell her store is. Yeah, what's what's her estate up to? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, you can do that at Renata Snacks, not at Ramona Snacks. Please don't get us twisted. If you want to follow me personally on Twitter, I'm at 14across. I'm at Ginthusiastic. And I am at BrownKR, which is B-R-O-W-N-E-K-R, speaking of hard names to find on personalized items. <laughs> and I am in the middle of hashtag Summer of Ramona, a hashtag only I use, uh, <laughs> in which I have been rereading all the Ramona books and... Uh, live tweeting the very exciting quotes and pictures and witch masks that have haunted me since I was a child. Um, so that's most of my Twitter feed right now, and I've still got a couple to go. Um, yeah, come join me. Maybe also reread a Ramona book, and let's make hashtag Summer of Ramona happen. Caitlin, this is my vow to you. When we tweet out this episode, we will hashtag it Summer of Ramona. Oh, fantastic. I would appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, yeah, if you're not already following Caitlin on Twitter, if you haven't been reading her hashtag Summer of Ramona tweets, they are delightful. I have been very much enjoying this vicarious journey. And then, you know, jumping in the canoe myself briefly too. Yes. I don't know why it's a boat journey, but it is. Uh, it's summer. <laughs> and I put looing in the water for you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, that's a real ocean now. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, we will be back in two weeks as Flashback Summer continues with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz. Yeah. I'm so excited. I still have never read that book because it is too scary for me. Yeah. <laughs> I am 30 years old. I'm, I'm grimly bracing myself. Right <laughs> You're going to be fine. You, you've read it before? Um, I actually, I never read it as a child because it was too scary. I did oh read God. it as an adult. Um, well, I'll talk about that in two weeks, I guess, probably. Right. But I I have read it before. It's fine. It's only fine. They, they lived in our bathroom. They were so well read. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm All scared right. just thinking of that. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's briefly turn our minds back to Ramona before we say goodnight, just to cleanse ourselves. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your hashtag Summer of Ramona wisdom. Yes, thank you for having me. Becca, thank you for joining us and telling us about the Ramona television show. Which I, didn't I, know. I have a lot of feelings about television. 
<laughs> You're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> Gotta get a TV well, one. Start a better one. Mm. That's that's what our iTunes reviewers say too. <laughs> I don't need it from you. <laughs> Uh, all right. Thank you, everyone, for being here slash for listening. Bye. Bye. Uh, hang on. My neighbors are being arrested.